Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast, a part of JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show on where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Welcome back to the show. I am so delighted to be here talking to you today. This episode has been in the works for the last few months. I'd like to thank everyone who was involved in making this happen, so all our guests, as well as all the people who introduced me to our guests. I want to give a disclaimer slash acknowledgement that hair covering is a privilege because there are so many unmarried women out there women who want to get married and who wish they can have this problem. So I would like to hold this conversation with that sensitivity. As I've mentioned before, we have several guests for this series, and I have asked all of you, any of you, to reach out with your personal experiences, with your opinions and feelings about covering your hair or not covering your hair. And I got so many messages, and I would like to share some of the thoughts and ideas that I have picked up that I thought was worth mentioning for this episode. And I want to thank you for participating. Now, this episode is designed to bring more awareness, understanding, less judgment. I would like to expose you to what people do and why they do it. Here's a comment I thought to read out loud. I've never thought to do otherwise. Even after a divorce, I'm still strictly covering my hair. Bonus is that my wigs look better than my own hair, and I appreciate having something sacred about me that's hidden from the public eye. There are times it's hard, I won't lie about that, but at the end of the day, I never entertain the thought of giving it up. Also, I think it's super important that women invest in their wigs or other head coverings, even if finances are tight. It's a mitzvah which we should take pride in and feel good doing. So I love this message because investing in something that's hard is a really powerful tool to make it feel a little easier or, or to lighten the burden a little bit. Now, there are women who are absolutely thrilled to be covering their hair and have no issue doing it, and they love the perks of it. There are women who are very resentful because it's a financial burden. It could be super uncomfortable. And we will be discussing the halakhic issues, the sensory issues, the wig industry issues, and the spiritual element of taking on more when something in life happens. There are a few more dynamics I'd like to just mention before we get started. There's a lot of pain and discomfort, which is why we're going to have an occupational therapist talk about the sensory issues. The good parts to the wig for some women is that they get to look beautiful. They get sometimes hair that they never had naturally. And the care can be easier because you get up in the morning. There's no such thing as a bad hair day, quote unquote. Another few tips that I got from women who wish they had this information, but blonde wigs are more expensive. It's something you should have in mind before going wig shopping. And one more thing that kalas tend to do, or if they don't, they have to deal with it later on, which is extending their hairline farther up through laser treatments so they can wear their wigs higher up and have more of a forehead. Now, most people do not have to do that, but some women who have a small forehead are really happy there are solutions to be able to have a forehead and fully cover their hair. And knowing that before you get married is more helpful because doing laser while you're trying to conceive and have a baby can be problematic because you need an extended period of time for this process. So that's just some notes there for our daters out there. Also, we'll hear 
later on in this series how hair covering is a classic thing that women take on or become more serious about when personal things happen in life. So it's a very interesting dynamic between hair covering and spirituality. On this episode today, we have with us Franny Weissman from Israel, currently, who is coming on to the show to give us the perspective of have not covered her hair, has covered her hair. She's been on the spectrum. We'll hear her story, her personal story on what has changed her mind. And just once again, I want to preface this with this podcast is here to serve to cause less judgment, more understanding, and more empathy to every woman who has her own personal journey when it comes to covering her hair. And I promise you, every woman who does cover her hair has her own journey. They just look one way on the outside. Tell us who you are and what you do, because I know you have a brand. I am a musician, and I incorporate music into my tour guiding. I'm a tour guide all over Israel, and I teach Torah. So it's kind of like my threefold, Torah, music, and Israel. So yeah, honestly, my journey has been a really interesting one. And the more that I tell my story, I actually do meet other women who I realize that there's there's a lot of like there's a story behind it because our hair is something that really defines like our look, our external look. When you take away someone's hair, it, they just don't look the same. And to have to cover it suddenly because I'm married or how it's going to look or what ways I can cover it, found I found that that's totally right what you're saying and power to that. So my story actually, I got married. I'd become more religious before I got married and I knew I was going to cover my hair in some way, but I had really, really long, beautiful curls and I was not about to shove that underneath anything. So I would wear like, you know, some days it would be like a half hair headscarf wrap and then all my curls hanging out. And sometimes it would just be a hat. I never really covered everything fully. And I made a point of like changing the way that I look every single day. I wanted to, I wanted to be not in the box. So you mean you wore wigs and headscarves? No, actually then I did not wear wigs. I was totally on the anti-wig boat. I'd moved from America to Israel and I went, I went all out. I became like the most Israeli that I could possibly be. And I looked at wigs and I was like, I don't understand it. It like, it does. It just looks like my hair. I don't get it. I was like, I'm not doing that. And I think that Hashem kind of like did a number on me on this one because I do wear wigs now and I'll, I'll explain. So I was, was probably the year before I got married, two years actually, before I got married, I um, was hiking and noticed my friend, we were swimming in a, in a spring and she noticed that I had a circular bald spot on the back of my head. And now she was like, just a spot about this size on the back of my head, in the middle of my hair, totally bald. Like, palm of your hand falls. And she was like, Franny, what's up with that? I'm like, I don't know. I never even, I didn't notice it was in the back of my head. So I went to the doctor. The doctor diagnoses me with alopecia, which is a autoimmune disease where you, a person can lose either certain spots of hair up into all of the hair on their body. So I was not, a, I said, well, what are my options? What's going to happen? My hair was, I started noticing that my hair was just falling out. And, you know, I was a single 19 year old. And I was just like, this is, this is, what do I have to do? They said, you can do shots, inject your head with steroid shots. It's not going to change it. It'll push it off a bit. And the second that you finish the treatment, it'll just fall out. 
uh, or there's nothing you can do because there's just not a lot known. Autoimmune diseases are really like, it's pretty much, we don't know why it happens. It could, it's not genetic and good luck. So I, I started a journey. It was a really intense one where I kind of went the natural path and I did all these different things and it went away. It grew back all good. Yoffi. A couple of years later, I get married. I'm covering my hair. Like I said, kind of half in half out. Sometimes I'm just with my hair. I'm really not caring about it so much. I'm just like, okay, this is what we do in Israel. So yada, let's do it. And then the Tsuketan war happened. My husband was sent off uh, to the army for a month and a half. I was a new mom. I had a baby who was like a couple months old and I was alone in the middle of, you know, I was living kind of like in a small yeshuv and I noticed that my hair was falling out, but I said, you know, I just gave birth. This is what happens after you give birth. No big deal. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, well, maybe it's, you know, alopecia, maybe I have alopecia again. And it kept falling out and falling out to the extent where I was losing like chunks and chunks of hair every day. And it was, it was very clear that this was like a situation. And I remember just trying to cover it up as much as I could. And I went through this process of trying to hide it, whatever way I could do that. Was it covering my hair? It was like totally doing the covering your hair for not covering your hair purpose. Cause I just wanted to hide the fact that I was literally losing all my hair until a couple of months in, I guess back and forth. It's just, it grew back again. It wasn't nothing. Something happened. It was this weird back and forth. A couple of years later, I have more kids, but it's, it's, it's like I had a, a, some sort of miscarriage and I'm losing my hair again, but it got to a point where it was so intense that I just found myself not able to actually even look at myself in the mirror because I was like, I, I don't, I don't feel beautiful. I don't, there's no way I can hide this anymore. And I remember my husband came home after I was really just a lot of crying, a lot of like trying to just deal with the fact that I'm losing my hair. It wasn't even just my hair on my head. It was my eyebrows. It was my eyelashes. It was my hair everywhere. And suddenly that space of feeling totally stripped. And my husband said, you know, you're, you're so beautiful. Like you don't need hair to be beautiful. You know, you're beautiful. And I didn't believe him because, you know, even when your husband tells you you're beautiful, you have to feel beautiful. It's about you being yourself. And he said, you know, why don't, what are you afraid of? And I said, I'm afraid that I'm not beautiful. I'm afraid that I, I don't accept myself. I'm afraid that you don't really think I'm beautiful. I'm afraid of what the world will say. I'm afraid of what my friends will say. I'm, I'm afraid of that. And he said, well, why don't you just like, face it, just shave the rest of it off and let's just face it. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy a wig though. This is where my wig came in. I'm going to buy a wig in case I literally can't look at myself in the mirror and like, let's do it. And I remember standing in the bathroom, my husband with his razor and he shaved all what I had left off of my hair. It was like a very, it was an extremely traumatic moment, but also like really a life shift. And I continued to wear my wig and pretend like nothing was happening externally and nothing changed. And I felt there was some point when I remember realizing that if I keep fighting the situation, it's not going to change and realizing that our body and, you know, back in ancient times, what would we do when we were sick, we would go to the prophet, the prophet would say, oh, you're sick with this. This is the tikkun that you need to do. This is what you need to change. This is what you need to work on. And then that's how it worked back in ancient times in Israel, right? We don't have that anymore because God speaks to us through our body. I believe that like Hashem speaks me through my body. So I figured if I can somehow learn what I'm supposed to learn, then Hashem won't have to speak to me anymore. And like, this can go away. And I realized that 
I have two options. One, recognize the fact that my hair and my physical appearance is, of course, it's so important. We have to feel beautiful. We have to feel sexy. We have to feel great, right, about who we are. We have to take care of our bodies. But at the same time, if we're so focused on defining ourselves by it and making the definition of who I am and what my beauty is about my hair, about what I look like, then we're missing the point. It's like an extra bonus. But if I can't feel beautiful without it, then I have a problem. And at that point, I stopped everything. I went full out. I showed people my baldness. I went hiking bald. I performed bald. Like I was like, I'm going to just spread this out that we all are so beautiful. And, and then I also vowed that I was going to cover my hair completely. When If I ever got my hair back, I'm covering it all. And not necessarily from the halachic perspective, rather from the place of as a reminder that I love my hair. Every single strand on my head is a complete miracle. Every strand on my eyebrow is a miracle. There's no cure for this disease. There just isn't. And after this long process of really, really reinforcing my own identity, that's not necessarily connected to my physicality. I was able to find that balance where I see it as a, as a something beautiful that's mine, but it's not my definer. And once I switch that, Covering my hair was a totally different thing. It's not about the, there's a rabbi that says I have to cover my hair because honestly, if you want to look at the halachot, you can literally find a halacha for any way you want to cover your hair. There just is. There's, there's a lot to it, depending on what rabbanim you, you, you read, what sources you read. We have to cover our hair. But for me now, it's about a, a, a constant reminder of like my beauty and of the space where I think of tzniut as a whole there's this beautiful thing that I recognize that sometimes it's really hard. You know, now we were talking about the whole unorthodox, right? It's hard to cover up. It's hard to beat Sanua. It's hard to, you know, especially in the summer, I'm covering my hair and I'm covering my whole body, right? But when I realized that this, me being mindful about what I put on my head and what I put on my body every morning and say, what really represents my soul and who I am? What, who is that beautiful person that, you know, and how do I also make her look beautiful physically, right? Once I recognize that I'm allowing myself, my future self, when I'm 70, when I'm 60, when I'm 50, when I start getting wrinkly, when I start getting, it's like, I went to the rock bottom to realize that if I can recognize that I'm beautiful now while I'm young, right? Then as I age, I'm going to be able to accept my body, my hair that's going to turn gray. It may, you know, fall out again, my wrinkles that are going to appear. I'm able to accept that and look at her and say, you are gorgeous. And you are yours. And that's it. Because if I'm constantly like, oh, just what do I look like? And this hair covering makes me look, you know, better. And this one, you know, I don't like it because I miss my hair and how it looks, right? If I'm constantly in that space, then as I age and change and our physical bodies are really just going to start doing that, I'm going to have a really hard time. So like that's that's where that started. I mean, now I, I, I do. I cover my hair. I see my hair as a complete gift. And I think that the way that I see the halacha of it is different. It's not just a thing that like, oh, you have to do it. It's really mindful. It's a place of really, really a lot of mindfulness. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I do believe everyone has their personal experiences. And sometimes people have to go through something in their own life to have that mindset shift. Like I've heard people say, you know, if God forbid I have this, somebody's talking about diabetes, then I'll stop eating chocolate. (laughs) For now, let me just eat chocolate. So 
and that's why I'm doing this episode because we are bringing on different perspectives just to put new ideas into women's minds. Not that we need to change what we're doing, but just to understand where other women are coming from. And I think that helps. I also think with men, the type of yarmulke or the lack of a yarmulke defines who they are. Women have that with their dress and specifically their head covering or lack of. And we we don't need more symbols of differentiation, taking stances, even though everything about us shows and screams individuality. But it's there to create unity and understanding, not more disconnect right judgment disconnect there you go honestly it's true think about like when you choose on how you cover your hair a lot of times people do they see someone else say oh she wears a wig oh she doesn't even cover hair oh she wears a huge you know on her head she must be xyz and and we forget that that individual story is is so important and maybe i'm dressing in a way not because i want to be defined as something specific but this is my connection to this mitzvah it could be. It's also it's something that brings us together. I totally hear that. I think that's beautiful. So is it hard to cover your hair now that you have it back? Do you have those moments? Totally. I'll tell you the truth is because it's, it's funny because I shaved it all off. The way that it grew back was actually a mohawk. I had a mohawk for a while. And then because I already lost it all, I do really cool stuff with my hair. So I'll cut it like weird pixie cuts. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to walk out like this. My hair looks awesome. But then I, I remember, so yeah, of course, of course it's hard because who can be mindful 24 seven? We're not. Sometimes we are on autopilot. We're just like, yeah, I don't want to feel like, I just want to go out. But I think that that's what brings it back. I make it my accessory. I make it my stamp and I make it my reminder that everything is a gift and that my beauty is not just how awesome my hair looks. And I want to portray that other beauty. I want people to look at me and go, wow, what a beautiful soul. Like what a beautiful soul. She's also beautiful on the outside. That's great. I want people to think I'm beautiful too, but like I'm human. But but yeah, of course I have those times. Who anyone who says they don't they don't is not human. Thank you, Franny. We are continuing our program here with hair covering, and I wanted this to be a full-on experience and speak to all kinds of professionals and experts in this industry. So I decided to speak to someone who has experience in occupational therapy and sensory experience, who actually is female and from, so who understands the hair covering. And I might have some side questions later, but we'll dive right in. So now we have with us on the podcast, Amy Gutman, who is part of a sister company, and I'll let you take it away. Tell us about some of the issues that come up, medically speaking. Tell us as an expert, what's going on behind the scenes? All right. So first of all, thank you so much, Francisca, for having us. We're very excited. I'm excited to be here. My sister and I are a sister team. We're known as the Gutman Sisters. And it's interesting because I actually had sensory issues as a child. So I really related to this when I got married. Just the idea before I even got married, the idea of having to put on a wig or a hair covering was very difficult for me personally. And you grew up in Brooklyn, you know, run the mill. Yeah. Grew up in Brooklyn from, from birth. My mother always wore a hair covering in the home, a shade to outside. It was my culture. My friends got married. Everyone was excited. 
I mean, I'm sure you're talking about at some point in your podcast, psychological impact of going from not wearing a hair covering to wearing a hair covering. So I was the girl with gorgeous hair and I didn't want to cover my hair innately, but I wanted to do the mitzvah. That was not, that was a given. Even when I was dating, I was like, I wanted to make sure to marry someone who respected a woman who covered her hair and wanted that. So I knew it in my mind, but physiologically, I was a little nervous about the idea. And in my experience, having worked with parents and adults through the years as well, my sister and I both have this, what we notice is that this is an issue that people don't talk about. There are a lot of folks who really want to cover their hair. They have that innate desire, but because of how their physiology works, because of the discomfort that they feel, the anxiety when they're putting it on, they're not able to function fully. And it's not because of the mitzvah as much as because of the actual physical part of covering your hair that becomes so uncomfortable for them. So it was very gratifying for us to be able to support women at times who came. This is not my focus. My sister and I really focus with the pediatric population. We deal with anxiety and processing delays. But when parents would talk about their kids and we would explain to them what's going on, mothers very often would come over and say, you should just know that I have a hard time with this. And this is why I'm relating to what you're saying. I never knew that it could come up. And when it comes to hair coverings, a lot of times women don't realize that this is an issue that they've had their whole life, but because they all of a sudden after the day of marriage have to have their hair covered or they want to have their hair covered or they're outside working and they want to put on the wig instead of wearing a hair covering, whatever their choice is, new problems pop up and all of a sudden they need to deal with it and they didn't have to do in the past. I think about it kind of like I, like I mentioned, if you know us or follow us, I talk about the sensory issues I had as a child. I didn't like wearing wool. It was just scratchy fabric. So I always chose cashmere and that's okay, right? Because we can go through our whole life and not wear wool sweaters and yeah, go and take the expense and go with your cashmere. But when the halacha is that we need to cover our hair and there is no alternative of, you know, being free, because even if you're going to put on a wig or you're going to put a fall on whatever your choice is, you're still having something on your head and all of a sudden discomfort can't be removed. So how do you help the women? So it was very empowering to be able to help them with that. So how do you help them with that? Uh, Okay, so let's get to the tips. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. What was your other question? The other question is, what are the issues? Is it just my head hurts or it's uncomfortable or it doesn't stay on? It gives me a lot of anxiety. Okay, so there are two things that happen with uh, individuals when they have to start covering their hair. We're going to talk first about the easy fix, which is the physical component. So a lot of women do not feel comfortable having a wig on or a hair covering on because they actually feel the covering more than they would someone else. Hold on. They feel the covering more than feel the actual hair covering more. So like right now you and I are wearing hair coverings and we're not focused on that. We're able to have a conversation for them. They're distracted by the sensation of having their heads covered because their whole lives, they didn't. Think about the idea of clothing, right? When a baby is born, they're born naturally with no clothing. We start putting on diapers and clothes. If the actual, and sometimes I talk about Tarzan, if you think about the idea that if we left babies open and free, and then when they were older and their bodies were developed and they had all their input, they were all of a sudden asked to put on clothing at the age of 25, that would be something that would be uncomfortable for them. So the concept is, and it has nothing to do with the discomfort in their mind. It's more physiological discomfort. A lot of individuals and women who have a hard time with hair covering do have sensitivities in general with tactile sensitivities. Either they need something very, very hard on them. They like to have pressurized 
clothing on them, tight clothing, or they like things free and loose because it's too uncomfortable for them to feel everything. And that's the same thing, by the way, with the hair coverings. You'll find that some women want their wig cap to be tight, tight, tight. And the Shaitel Machers, is that or your crowd knows Shaitel Machers? Okay. They will, the Shaitel Machers will like say, no, 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 it's too tight on your head. And they're like, no, no, I needed this much. Or, and then when the Shaitel Machers will loosen it up, the women are like, it's not comfortable. It's not fitting right. And they'll say, no, no, it is. So I do want to mention that for those who are in the wig industry, this is important information that you should understand that if your client is asking for that, maybe ask some questions and find out if they have some sensory needs they may actually feel better when it's tighter on their head and they may actually need it to be a little bit looser and instead teach them about those other ways of helping them by putting on those bands that allow them not to move, but still have room and space. So it goes both ways. Some individuals are uncomfortable when they're too loose. Some of them need that pressure to feel better. When you give pressure to your body, any part of your body, it brings awareness to it. So when you put some, there are certain things you can do to help with desensitizing your head to tolerate hair coverings. And I'd love to give some tips if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first of all, when you, like I said, when you give pressure to your part of body, you become aware of it. Even think about it now, put your hands together and press them together. You'll feel the position of where your hands are now. So what we do is we try and do things to our head to kind of give the sensation of where it is in space and let allow it to get a little bit desensitized. So you can go on Google or Amazon and there are brushes that are made for scalp massage. And a lot of people laugh about it because we're not doing it for hair quality and the growth. That's what they're made for, but we actually do it for desensitization. And what we tell women who are, who are sensitive like this is that they should start typically from the back of their head and move outwards. You're actually more sensitive at the rim of your hairline than you are at the center of your head. So start there and start moving in circular motions with that brush and go across the whole thing. And you'll feel, and even now as I'm doing it just with my hand, I'm feeling my head more and it's giving sensation. And what we actually recommend is that you do this hard, you give good pressure when you're doing this for someone who feels that uncomfortable. Another idea is that if you like the pressure and the tightness, because that allows you to get more of a sense of where you are in space with your hair positioning, then you should also buy a tight, tight cap. They do sell them. And some Shaitlamachers will give it out for those folks who may be on chemo or have some other issues where they're losing their hair. So you can ask them if they can provide that with you as part of your Shaitl measurement so that you always have that cap on to give you that comfort. And that's, that's somewhat a little bit of an easier solution because we're talking about the physical component, but the biggest issue that we have when women are sensitive about hair covering really has to do with it being tight and just feeling something on your head all the time. Right. So that is what that desensitization will do for you because what happens is that they kind of, they'll, you'll see that you'll end up not feeling it as much because you're feeling the pressure of that when you're on there. But when you're feeling that tightness where you feel like, you know, like I have to like rip it off, you know, like, you know, these women that come home and they're just like, let me take it off. Okay, there you go. A lot of it is connected to this second part, which is anxiety portion. And I know it seems a little bit off because it seems like a physical issue, but science has proven that when we anticipate what is coming or what it should feel like, we tend to kind of connect to that. 
And for those women who have to wear a wig all day and they just feel, they, they tell us, you know, we do the desensitization. I can't do it. I can't do it. And this is the language that they say, it's so hard for me. I just can't do it. We'll work actually on a lot of psychophysiological exercises. And what I mean by that is we'll have them visualize that the shatel itself, if that's what's bothering them, is coming out of their hair, that there's a connection there. It sounds heebie-jeebie and it sounds so out there, but if you take a little time sometimes and just really recognize the anxiety that we have sometimes from having it on us is not so much that it's physically uncomfortable. It's just that we've built it up so much in our mind, we don't get relaxed. What I mean by that is that most shasal machers will tell a person after you wear it for a couple of times, you'll get used to it, right? I'm sure you've heard that in the past. You hear that about everything, heels, eyelashes, right? a new haircut. <laughs> there you go. Right. After a couple of times, you'll just feel good about it. But there are women who we know have been wearing hair coverings for years and are still uncomfortable about it. So first thing you want to do is make sure that physiologically you're comfortable. Make sure those clips are soft. They're not hard. We know Shetzel Machers here in the tri-state area that are very sensitive to um, those women who have sensory needs. We always recommend that people go to them and we tell Shetzel Machers when they reach out, please, please respect these women. Give them those higher priced clips that don't make them feel as if it's on them. Give them the bends that are a little bit softer on their face so that that way they don't feel the tightness when the wig is actually on there. But a lot of it has to do with prepping your mind. And we've done this with parents and, and mothers who come through our office where we kind of talk about visualizing the idea that the wig itself is part of them. And I'm sure you had someone on the podcast talking about the beauty of hair covering and the beautiful mitzvah of it and the power women have as we're covering our hair. So depending on where that person is, connect to that feeling. Is it more of a spiritual connection that when they're wearing their hair, it's like something that's giving them comfort, that's giving them glory, that's giving them this right of doing a mitzvah? Is it that they're beautifying themselves for their husband, for their for their for themselves, right? They want to feel good. They don't feel good about having to put on a wig or they do feel good about wearing a wig, but they're not comfortable with it. Whatever kind of framework. And if you do this for a little while, it has been shown that sometimes that's really what it's about. It's more the anticipation of the discomfort. So I would love to hear if that works for folks and, and to hear if that's something that you connect to. Those are our two biggest tips when it comes to desensitization. And another thing to mention is that if someone feels like their wig is too, too tight, speak up. If you really feel like it's a mechanical issue, don't listen to your wig, your Schieselmacher, who's telling you, no, but it has to be this way. Tell her I'd be more comfortable if it's a little bit looser and you give me a skull cap or a, um, a looser band or a tighter band to keep it in place. Don't give in. Don't try and stay strong in what you're feeling because at the end of the day, after the cost and the time and the money and all that, you're the one who's wearing it. So they'll want to please you. Anything about bangs? I know now bangs are not yet back in. <laughs> I heard they're coming back in. But, you know, people always remove them or touch their hair. Is that all anxiety or is that sensory also? The, again, the concept is that sensory is very much connected to like an underlying. And by the way, I don't want to say anxiety is like emotions, right? It's not a diagnostic term when we use anxiety. And if you understand a little bit more, it's more an urgency. It's more a discomfort that relates to a loop response where you get stuck on it. So when the bangs are in your face and you're constantly flicking them away, 
it's more that that habit or that tendency becomes a loop response and a behavior to the person to make them feel a little bit more comfortable and better, more comfortable in their skin, literally. So that's where the anxiety comes. And I put that in quotes because you guys don't see me, but that's really what we're talking about here. It's more than urgency or that, that stress loop. That's a physiological loop. So I can tell you from my own experience, I never had bangs until I had this wig a couple of years ago, which I love now, but I was busy with it for quite some time. Again, I have tactile issues myself. And I remember having to work on that mindset saying like, this is the norm. I actually had my husband and a friend of mine who I saw every day in the community, kind of like, cause you would see me like walking to shul and in the mirror, you know, kind of like busy with it. Cause I felt it. It was so much for me. And she was like, she said something funny. She's like, sit on your hands. She's like, just put your hands and sit on them. And here I am the sensory therapist. And I couldn't relate to that. And I realized like, sometimes you just have to stop that tendency the same way you would anything else. It's a habit. It's a habit. Right. And that loop response that goes on in your mind as you're flicking those bangs, keep going into that loop cycle. And that creates more of a tendency to keep doing it. So get your support system, work on your mindset a lot in kind of connecting between what it is that you're feeling and what it is that you're anticipating. Because you're anticipating, you know, the bangs making you uncomfortable, you're anticipating not managing the bangs well, whatever it might be. So you want to work on that concept. And is it universal that tickles or scarves or hats are more comfortable than wigs? Or is it really subjective? That's a very interesting question. And I can tell you that on the physiological end from our experience, I don't have any scientific data on this, but I can tell you most people who complain about the wig wearing do love wearing tichels. But at the same time, there are some folks who actually find tichels very, very bothersome because there's all the gathering of the placement is on one point in the back and they like feeling the tightness, which listening to you, Francisca, I'm hearing how the tightness is not good, but for some folks, they actually want it. So go figure, you know, like on the one hand, some people are like, oh my gosh, my wig is so tight. And on the other hand, some people want that tightness. So for the folks who can tolerate the tightness, they love the tickles. For those who need the tightness, tickles are very bothersome because there's only that fit part down there. and They don't feel the full impact of the hair covering throughout their whole head. So it really depends on where someone's physiological state is. I'll even add to that, that if I'm in a shul and maybe there are a lot more right-wing women or dressed a lot more covered up than I am, I prefer to have a tighter or to know that my head covering is fully 100% not moving off my head. So I actually, in an emotionally more I don't, I don't know if I'd call it vulnerable or in a more social environment in certain Haredi communities, I prefer that tightness on my head. Somehow it grounds me. Right. So it could be also an emotional. So hair covering in essence is very much connected to our emotions. How we feel. Right. Exactly. I can tell you personally, you know, I didn't know that the direction of the conversation would go here, but I myself, when I got married 16 years ago, was always wearing only wings outside and, you know, within the home hair coverings. Once in a while, if I had to run outside or do a walk, I'd be in my hair covering. And at my son's bar mitzvah, I went through the journey of getting a beautiful, gorgeous lace wig. And it was an interesting experience because I had not bought in a wig in a while. And the whole phenomenon was stunning and I loved it. It was great. But I started questioning or wondering about wig wearing. And my husband shared with me that he actually prefers that I would just wear hair covering. He said, you know, he told me about the journey of wearing, not wearing, of where wigs came from and whatever it might be. 
And as I went through that evolvement during that year where I chose now, and right now I do wear mostly hair coverings outside, unless I'm lecturing to the public. And I realized that when I show up with my wig and shul, with my hair covering and shul instead of my wig, there is a sense of discomfort all of a sudden on my hair covering, but not at all because of the physical change or what's on my head. It's because again, I'm trying to see and acclimate to what's around me, just like you described. Socially feel out of place or underdressed. Right. And even though I'm very comfortable in my choice and I'm empowered by it, and this is my personal choice and my journey, and it's what I appreciate about my growth where I'm at, it's a powerful, powerful recognition that our mind influences how our body feels. Thank you so much, Amy. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. We cannot complete this episode without talking about the shaitel industry and how it's affected everything. I'd like to introduce our guest, Dini Weinberg from Dini Wigs. Hi, thank you for having me on your show. We are so delighted to have you on. And there are so many questions we have that I'd love for you to address as the representative today of all wigs and Shaitelmachers and the, the wig industry at large. Tell us a little bit about comfort, style, trends. So it was interesting that recently there was this whole thing with the lace tops. And I was wondering why are the very orthodox people still coming and buying Dini wigs if they're looking for something that doesn't look so natural? Why are they coming? And then I came to a realization that it's still the best product out there. It's like the best quality. So even though they don't want it to look like it's coming out of their head, but they still want to walk around with something that they feel like they have the best crown on their head. So it's not even about comfort. It has to do with, you know, the hair quality. It has to do with technique of coloring. It has to do with, with the cut. It has to do with everything. It's, you know, it's all together but it doesn't necessarily need to be a wig that looks like it's coming out of your head to make it an amazing product. Like that's the product that I want to buy. That's interesting that you say that, that they still kept coming back. I heard very interesting things like it's the woman's mitzvah. She gets to decide. And and as long as the hair is covered, it's allowed, but we have a halachic discussion on this program. So we're not expecting you to cover it. Let's leave it to them. Let's leave it to them. Exactly. I'd like to address the financial aspect of this industry. I think we cannot talk about the industry without bringing up the financial aspect. The cost. Yeah. So clearly, if if anyone wants to cover their hair, they can put on a headscarf or a head covering. Exactly. When it comes to the need itself, that's covered with something that doesn't have to cost anything, pretty much. But we're not just talking about the need itself. We'd like to talk about how we feel about the mitzvah. How do we do this so we could still feel like ourselves and feel beautiful and feel comfortable? So that's when we run into the issue of investing money into this mitzvah. And you are known to be one of the most expensive brands out there. How do you feel about the profit margins or maybe talk about how it is really expensive? Word on the street is there is a big gap between what it costs and between what it sells for. And later we'll go into how 
you might have better pricing for women who suffer from hair loss due to illness? So the product is an expensive product because the hair, it comes, it starts from the hair. The hair is really expensive. Any company or we can, for instance, buy cheaper hair and have the hair processed. And hair processed means that it goes into a machine and you could take different kinds of quality hair. It goes in a certain way and it comes out a different way, but that is not long lasting. We don't do that. We use virgin mm -hmm. hair and that is very expensive. As time goes by, the hair gets more and more expensive. So the prices are probably going to continue going up. Then it goes into the fact that every wig that we make goes at least through 17 pairs of hands. And that is, you know, that is time consuming and that's, you know, it's labor. Also, if I want to give good service, you know, to my clients, I have to be able to, you know, to have that all into consideration when it comes to, you know, things that are, that they need fixing and that the product should be a million percent amazing. So I'm not sure if you know all the details about really how much it would cost, but definitely it is very, very expensive to make a beautiful wig. It's expensive. Okay. So you didn't give us any numbers and I'm going to challenge you a little bit more. You know what? You could ask me for numbers. My numbers are not the good side by me. So you'll have to, I, I could tell you a range but I'm not going to go into details because I'm really like, even my clients know that when they ask me, Dini, how much does this and this cost? I have no clue. doesn't interest me. I do the art. For that, I have different people doing that. Did the Indian Avodazara hair situation affect your business at all? At that time, it was really challenging. I lived in Israel and the Rabbanim really came out like strongly against wigs. I think there was a period of like six months when it kind of was really not in a good place and people were starting to get synthetic wigs or wearing scarves, but then it blew over as always. When you have an unhappy customer and she keeps coming back and she spent, let's say, $8,000 on her wig, how much of it is insecurity? discomfort with spending so much money versus a woman who's still not feeling like herself, maybe feeling insecure about how she looked in it. Is there an expectation that once you spend a certain amount of money on a wig, your wig issues go away or your self-esteem issues go away or your discomfort with the wig goes away? Very individual. It's like asking a therapist, like, what would you say uh, the biggest problem of your clients are? You know, it, it really... Every person approaches the wig in a different way, but definitely the wig is a frame to your face. So, you know, obviously we're, you know, we want things perfect. If you're buying such an expensive product, you really want it to look gorgeous and to compliment you. Generally, it's something that you want to, you want to feel good. You want to feel comfortable in your own skin and it kind of becomes your skin. So that's our job to do that. What are some innovations that you are working on to improve the industry? Is there anything you're working on? I'm always trying to make the wig lighter and lighter. I really think that the lighter, the more people are going to just want to wear their wigs. They won't have to um, wear a scarf when they get home. Like, you know, sometimes you come home and you just, the first thing you want to do is rip off your wig. And my goal is for people to have their babies in their wigs. 
I have to say something that I have this client. She's, you know, also a friend of mine. She's going through um, cancer uh, treatment. She went through the cancer treatments already. And she's now in the process of just the last stages of, you know, this injection that she has to get every month. And it really makes her bones ache. And anything that touches her, like even presses a little bit, hurts her. Like whatever we feel, like she feels in, in an extreme and before she had the cancer, she had two of my wigs, which were not lace tops. And then when she got the cancer, then we made her a wig that it should, she should be more comfortable. And then she's now she's already, you know, going back into life and her hair is growing in and she could also wear her old wigs and she puts it on and she literally says, Dini, I cannot wear it. It, it. it just hurts me. And my wigs are comfortable, even if they're not lace tops. So I feel like for people that are going through people with sensory issues and people that are going through these challenges, the wigs really have to be light. She's like, Tim, you don't understand. I put it on my head and I don't feel it. And one of my employees just had a baby in her wig. That's what you meant when you said have your baby in your wig. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't wear a wig every day. I wear me because... I just find them so much easier to take on and off throughout the day 10 times. Would you say that there are certain trends or certain behaviors that more ultra-Orthodox communities have versus more modern? In what way? Ways they're covering their hair. Is there anything interesting that you've seen? So I could tell you that in some, uh, I think it's Chabad, they're really against people wearing scarves. Uh, They're very pro-wearing wigs. And I think it makes sense. I think a person that wears a wig, just imagine a person is walking in the street and their hair is covered and one is covered with the wig and the other one is covered with a scarf or a hat. Which one's easier to take off? The scarf, the hat. Exactly. The hair on you is like, is it's weird to have hair on you. And if you would take it off, you would feel weird. People will look at you weird. If you just take off a hat, it's like very natural. And I think that it comes from there that it's just like, it's more of a head covering. So in a way, yes, it looks more more natural, but it makes you feel like it makes me feel more married when I'm wearing a wig than when I'm wearing a hat. That's very interesting. Thank you so much, Dini. This was so lovely and so helpful. Thank you for having me. I hope I was helpful. If you would like to have the entire halachic overview, historic overview on hair covering and the sources and the different parts of history, how things have changed and where did this come from, make sure to listen to the episode before this one where my sister Rachel Peleg goes into all the details and have a beautiful Hanukkah. Thanks for sticking around until the end. Friendly reminder to keep reaching out. Please keep sending feedback. I love forwarding it to our guests. I love continuing the conversation through email, through WhatsApp, through Instagram and Facebook. So keep at it. If you or anyone you know is looking to launch a podcast, please send them my way. I just have a couple of VIP podcast launch days left until the end of 2021. And I'd love to fit you in. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a beautiful Hanukkah.